All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Bible News Radio. I am Stacey Lynn Harp, your host, and I am glad that you are joining us today, which is really today. It's never yesterday or the day before, because today is always today, no matter what. <laughs> anyway, want to welcome you to the show. And um, hey, if you're a first time viewer to the show, then I want to say thank you and invite you to subscribe to whatever platform you're on. If you're listening on a podcast, you know, there's a feed you can subscribe to. If you're listening on YouTube or Facebook, you can always subscribe to the different channels that we're on. So wherever you're at, please subscribe and make sure you can go over to our website to BibleNewsRadio.com and jump on our email list because that will get you a couple emails a week that we send out alerting everybody to the Bible studies that we do. Uh, some Bible write, reading accountability stuff that we do and um, and shows just like this. So I'm glad that you're here and I want to say thanks for joining us. And I also want to let you know that today our question is, what are we saved from? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, at a local networking meeting. And uh, this is a friend of mine who I just I just adore. She's wonderful. She she actually is a cancer survivor. And we were talking about how her relationship with God deepened as she went through cancer. And um, and she was sharing with me some stuff out of the book of Revelation and how God has just kind of opened up her eyes more to the layers that are going on in the book of Revelation. But one of the things that she said, she said, you know, one of the things that we don't talk about enough as Christians is what is it? we're actually saved from like, you know, we say we have to be saved, but what are we saved from and why should people even become a Christian? I thought that was a good question. I told her, I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about that on our show. And then the other thing that came to my mind recently is we were talking about <clears throat> how, um, how do you know what we believe in the Bible is legit, right? If somebody comes to you and says, uh, well, I don't believe the Bible. The Bible is a bunch of fairy tales and it's, you know, stupid and it's, it's just, you know, whatever. How do you convince somebody who, who's not a believer to believe the Bible and what it says? And somebody in my group said, oh, that's easy to share your testimony. And, and I actually said, well, you know, there's just one problem with sharing your testimony false religions also have testimonies that they share. You know, they might have a burning in their bosom that they talk about because they, they were told, you know, something and they bore witness to it because they had a burning in their bosom and that's their testimony. I mean, we could all testify to something, but it doesn't mean it's legitly 100% absolute truth, right? So today, as we start the show, I want you to just kind of think about these things. And as we go through some of the news, we will kind of weave this kind of idea back through it um, because, you know, I want to do that. Uh, because part of what we like to do here is we like to be able to look at what's going on in the world and then look at what God's word says in light of what's happening in the world. Um, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. People are stressed out. <laughs> 
raise your hand if you're stressed out, right? I mean, so many people were stressed out. I was recently in a social media platform and there was over 300,000 people in one thread on anxiety. Okay. 300,000 people. I mean, that's over half a million people or over, or over a quarter of a million people on that thread talking about uh, their anxiety. There was a young boy who taught, who, who asked the question. He was totally sincere. It came, he came off very sincere. He said, how many of you sleep with a stuffed animal? I'm 21 years old. I sleep with a bunny rat rabbit stuffed animal. Right. And he said that he, he needed to do that in order to feel less anxious. And, you know, a lot of people, um, commented on it from people from 18 to 60 admitted that they slept with a stuffed animal because they live in anxious times, right? So there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. Uh, there are um, headlines blaring every single day telling us to be scared. We're looking at the economy crash. We're looking at gas prices going up. We're looking at basically a lot of people think a third world war, right? And so people are on edge. And But what makes Christianity different, right? What makes what I believe as a born-again Christian different from other religions? And why is it that I believe Christianity is the only way? It, it's the only way to heaven. It's the only way to God. Um, it's exclusive, which can get you in a lot of trouble <laughs> saying that. But that's what, the, that's what God's Word says. So um, I want to share with you um, a couple... Of verses, And in particular, you know, all throughout scripture, we have a lot of verses and I'm just going to share some of the citations with you so you can go look these up later because due to time, we're not going to be able to look at everything. But um, Acts 16.31 uh, says, <clears throat> they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Right. Well, again, saved from what? What are people saved from? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. This is a pretty popular verse. It says, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that any so that no one can boast. So we know that works doesn't save us. But again, what are we saved from? Right. Romans 10 and 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. But from what? What are you saved from? All right, Mark 16, 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Okay, condemned to what? That's the question. Um, Romans ten thirteen says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again, from what? What do we save from? All right, I think that's, that's enough. I could go on forever with that. But I want to tell you one of the main things, that the thing that, you, that we are saved from is eternity in hell. Okay? And we get this great uh, story in Matthew chapter 25 um, where, we, where we, we see this story, and I'm going to read it. And I'm not even sure what version this is in that I brought up. But it's, it's this story that Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. 
and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the the goats. Now, if you're old enough to remember Keith Green, uh, and most of you are probably old enough to remember who that is, he has this famous song called The Sheep and the Goats. Uh, He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, you a stranger and invite you in or need needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay, don't miss this, because that's what this is talking about, what you're saved from, right? Eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did, you, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then... They will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, this isn't the only place that we see where people who are unrighteous are going to go. We also see this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You know, it's interesting. If you just look at just these two passages, you have the Lord specifically laying out in the first passage what we are to do as followers of him, right? And interestingly, interestingly, nowhere in that list does it say prophesy in his name. And nowhere in this, in this list does it actually say cast out demons. And yet, if you look at some of the biggest ministries today, the, the faith healing ministries and stuff like that, the Word of Faith movement in particular, this is a lot of what they do, right? And I fear for those people because they're not necessarily doing what God commanded them to do in Matthew 25. But the question is, how do you get saved? Um, and the easiest answer to that <clears throat> is in John chapter 3. Um, and just due to time, we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but I will 
tell you in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus replied to the religious leader of that day, Nicodemus, and he said, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And that passage goes on and it talks about to as many as received him, re- referring to Jesus, to him they gave the right to become children of God. So in order to become a child of God, you have to receive Christ, Jesus, and be born again. And, and that simply is basically very simple by saying you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. That's what Romans talks about. But also you need to admit your sin, right? What are you saved from? You're saved from hell, but you're also saved from the power of sin. You have to admit you're a sinner in need of a savior. You have to admit that, you know, that you, uh, you know, that, that your old self is going to be crucified and that you are no longer going to live like Romans 6 says. Romans 6 says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the, the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. So as believers, Not only do we inherit eternal life, but we are set free from this body of sin and death. And the the, the number one thing I think that we don't even discuss often is that when a person is born again, we actually have um, a clean conscience, right? We're convicted of our sin when we know... If we do something wrong and it's like, oh, we did that wrong. Okay, God is convicting us of that. We confess that and he forgives us. Um, so many people don't do that, though. And so many people think that they're born again, and, and they're really not um, because they don't understand what we're saved from. We're actually saved from the wrath to come. We're saved from hell and um, an eternal separation from, from God. And so I just want to encourage you uh, today that if you're, if you're somebody you're not really sure if you're born again or not, I would encourage you to go read John chapter 3, and I would encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to show himself to you and see if you are not in the faith. And I'm not sure if Randall wants to say anything or not, but trying to get a theological lesson in here in about 10 minutes, so it's kind of tough. <laughs> it is kind of tough. But, um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, and I think of the three P's uh, because of this, the redeeming sacrifice of the Messiah, of Christ. We are saved from the penalty of sin. Um, you know, by nature, we're children of wrath. Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but save the world. So by nature, we're separated and we'll stand in judgment for our own sin. So through Christ, we're saved from the penalty of sin. As we walk with him, we'll, we are being saved from the power of sin and ultimately in our new body. When he calls us home, uh, we'll be saved from the very presence of sin. So, and the power is so important to being saved from the power of sin. You know, we talked about Romans there mm-hmm. and, uh, Paul says, do you, do you not know whom you yield your members to obey, you know, that you're slaves of that one, whether of sin to unrighteousness or the spirit, you know, to righteousness? 
thing to eternal life. That's not a future thing. That's a now thing. We can choose to yield ourselves to God and be saved from the power of sin even now. Anyway, all right, that's it. Back to you. Amen. All right, so, you know, I could say so much more on this, and we may continue this theme throughout the show, uh, but I will... You know, one thing I do want to bring up here, too, is uh, you guys know I wrote this book called Pickleball Faith Inspiration on and off the court, right? (laughs) If you don't know by now, I did. Well, we've done a couple of shows on pickleball, and I just wanted to share with you. um, I've been getting some really cool reviews, and I wanted to share with you uh, two really quick ones. Uh, One is from Rita, who I actually don't know. This is somebody I really I don't know, but she was given a copy of the book. And this is what she wrote. She wrote, people are more important than the game. I'm a 69-year-old faith-filled lady who loves pickleball. I've been playing for about seven years. I found the book to be inspiring and uplifting. It spoke of many of the same situations that I've experienced in my pickleball community. This is just one of the several things that spoke to me. Quote, sports can be a refuge for some, but it can also be a place of hurts for others. Sports were not a priority for me growing up. I like to think of my pickleball community as a refuge for some and also to be a place of healing for others. I am inspired to look for more opportunities to encourage my fellow picklers. So that was cool to get that feedback. And then Carol Ann also wrote, and I love this one. Carol Ann is actually somebody I, I met does not live in my area, but came to visit in the pickleball community I'm in. And she wrote this. She wrote, this book did not teach me how to be a better player, but to be, <clears throat> but how to be a better Christian. Um, and she said, the book didn't teach me about pickleball. It taught me about myself. Uh, I especially enjoyed reading about the importance of relationships on and off the court. In a gentle way, the author has motivated me to be a better member of the pickleball community. I highly recommend this book to anyone who wants to show the love of Christ to the heart of the pickleball community. You know what? I have to tell you guys that 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 totally touched me, um, as all the reviews have, every single review um, on Amazon so far, uh, has completely touched me. But that really touched me because that's honestly not even... (laughs) didn't I had nothing to do with with that you know what I mean so so if you haven't gotten your book yet I mean Randall um you know you can get it through through our website you know if you want to get it autographed by me actually that's the only place you can get it um you don't have to get it autographed by me you can get it through our website anyway or amazon.com either way is good it's available in kindle it's available in paperback uh and it will be up in audible version soon Okay, and also, if you like what we do, you can also go to BibleNewsRadio.com and, uh, you know, put in a donation to the show if you like what we do. Um, People keep telling me I need to keep saying that more, but not my strong suit, but it's there. If you want to bless the ministry, please go do that. Okay. All right. Now, let's look at some of the news, okay, because it was so hard for me to pick news stories because there's so many of them out there. So this first one, I thought I would pull this because uh, because of what's going on in Russia, right? Okay, so this, this here, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the headline and a little part of this. But it says here, Putin quotes John 15, 13, uh, to hail Ukraine invasion at Ma- Moscow rally. Quote the words from the Bible. You got to love when a dictator quotes scripture, right? 
<sighs> says here at a, at a rally in Moscow on Friday, Russian President Vladimir Putin paraphrased John 15, 13 to justify the ongoing invasion of Ukraine, which has killed hundreds of civilians, including dozens of children. During his speech at the rally held in Moscow's Luzhniki Stadium to, quote, celebrate the 8th anniversary of Crimea's annexation, I'm sure I'm not saying that right, which is not recognized by most countries, Putin lauded the Russian military for heroically fighting in Ukraine. You know, I remember the words from the Bible. There is no other love rather than if someone gives soul for their friends, Putin said, according to the BBC broadcast of his speech. The remark was followed by huge applause from the crowd. Putin's remark was a reference to John 15, 13, which states, quote, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends, unquote. We are seeing the heroic deeds of our guys in this operation, Putin added, according to the CNN translation. These words from the Holy Scripture of Christianity, it's something that is very dear to those who profess this religion. But everything is down to the facts that this universal value for all the peoples and all the confessions of Russia and for own people above all, and the best confirmation of that is how our guys are fighting in the course of this military operation, shoulder to shoulder, helping and supporting each other, he continued. If the need comes, they will shield each other on the battlefield from the bullets as brothers. We have not had such unity for a long time. And I'm going to stop there because this is completely the ramblings of an insane man, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and go that I've been following this news constantly, like maybe a lot of you guys have. Um, but from what little I know, this is a complete misapplication of this scripture. Completely insane. These, these guys go in and they invade people who aren't even doing anything to them. And he's acting as if the their militaries they're these heroic people since the ukrainians are actually trying to defend themselves i mean it's no different than when israel is attacked by the muslim nations around them and israel just tries to defend herself and all of a sudden the news is attacking israel for trying to defend herself when these other people were the instigators i don't i don't know randall what do you what do you think you have any thoughts on this <sighs> Uh, yeah, they're similar to yours, but, uh, but yeah, it's yeah okay. Maybe they're down the battlefield. They are heroic, you know, and and giving their life for brother, you know, defending. But it's hard to celebrate them as aggressors, as annexing right. a, a nearby country. Let's hey, we're just going to occupy it and take it over. Um, say what you will about uh, American politics and military and the, you know, military industrial complex and all that and how certain politics, whatever. But you can say what happened in Afghanistan or whatever. But the U.S. military, to my knowledge, has always been in response to some other aggression. Right. And we, and, and we as the United States of America have never gone into a country to try to take over the country. 
some would argue that, but you know, whether certain things were a pretense for whatever, but even that aside, there's never been a flat out, Hey, let's just go take over a neighbor. Right. So the misapplication of scripture Um, is kind of insulting at the very least. It's completely insulting because when Jesus was saying that, he was telling his disciples, look, you know what? You, you're going to ultimately, you know, there's no greater love than this as a man who lays down his life for another. I believe he was referring to him going to the cross. Right. In the context. Right. Was, yeah. And Which, that was for redemptive purposes. Right. So that people could be saved. Right. Now, speaking of that, you know, the, the whole idea of salvation, when we when we look at salvation, okay, so everybody, um, the world is looking at Ukraine, right? And rightfully so. Ukrainians are fleeing their country because they're being invaded by people who want to kill them, okay? So where are they going and who is helping them? Is it the atheist community helping them out? I don't think so. According to the Christian Post, we have an article here titled, Christians are living out Jesus' teachings as Ukrainians flee invasion. Uh, And again, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but it says here um, in Poland, uh, reporting from Poland, with little more than the clothes on their back, hundreds of Ukrainian women and children wait hours in line to cross into Poland as part of lar- the largest movement of people in Europe since World War II. They shuffle their feet quietly, even apprehensively, toward an unknown future in an unfamiliar country. They are stunned when they arrive. Volunteers have taped Ukrainian flags in their car windows and signs in Ukrainian reading, free rides to shelter. The drivers take the refugees to the Baptist church in Kelm, only a few kilometers up the road where people from around the world, Poland, Latvia, England, the United States, to name a few, are offering a place of safety and security for a few hours, few days, or as long as they need it. Families sit in stunned silence in an impromptu reception area where church volunteers tell the refugees. This chokes me up here. The church has free food, drinks, showers, and places to sleep. The congregation even has set up children's area where they can play with bubbles or watch educational videos projected on the screen. What we're seeing is a movement of love and generosity across this nation. Poles are opening their doors and arms to Ukrainians. They're taking them into their churches. They're taking them into their homes. They're feeding them. They're caring for them. Said Marek Glodek, president of the Baptist Union of Poland. This is what Jesus calls his believers to do all the time. Polish Christians are taking the teachings of Jesus seriously and living them out each day during this situation. More than 60% of the 110 Poland Baptist churches are responding to the needs of Ukrainian refugees, many of them in dramatic and radical ways. Okay, I'll just stop there because it's a long article. But Matthew 25, right? That is exactly, these believers are living out Matthew 25. They're doing exactly what the Lord told them to do. Um, 
And, you know, I can also tell you, I was talking to one of my best friends not too long ago, and she was telling me uh, that um, there are there are places that you can, in case you didn't know this, I didn't know this, but there are places that you can actually go and, um, like Airbnb, you can rent out the Ukrainians' Airbnb and pay them. You know, you don't have to go there, obviously, but to help support them because of what's happening, you know, in their, in their country. Um, this is, uh, you know, generosity and stuff. I have a friend who makes candy who told me recently, actually last night, he was doing an Instagram and he told me last, uh, he shared last night that he's going to make candy and the proceeds of that is going to go to support the refugees. So, um, and yet, I have to tell you something. This is so history repeating itself, right? This has happened to the Jews so many times, you know. So, um, so yeah, you know, let's just keep praying about that. And um, I'm glad that you did that, Bareface. <laughs> I forgot to set my timer. So, um, so th- that just touches my heart, you know. When you think about the Ukrainians, what are they being saved from? Right now, literally, they're being saved from death, right? Uh, when you become a Christian, you're being saved from eternal separation in hell. And um, I, I know that it's not a fun thing to always look at, but what I'm going to tell you is that we need to look at it. Uh, so today, I just want you to take that away from the show. You know what? Think about why you're saved and then share the gospel with somebody who you know is not yet saved from that. And Use the Ukrainians and the Christians in Poland as your inspiration to do what God told us to do. Um, You know, and then do what else you can do to help. Pray fast. uh, Do what God leads you to do. Because you know what? We're all in the body of Christ. And one one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. So I hope you have a good week. Uh, We will be back next week. Again, join my email list, BibleNewsRadio.com, where our goal here is to reach the hearts of the people one verse at a time. And I hope you have a good week. 